Most people are reluctant to admit that they have self-centered tendencies and may even, at least at times, exhibit traits of narcissism. Selfishness and narcissism exist on a spectrum, and to some extent, it's very natural for humans to be self-ambitious, self-concerned, self-glorification, and so forth with the self, right? However, at some point, we must choose to grow up and humble ourselves if we want to be wise. Now, this, of course, is assuming that one cares and values wisdom and growth. Welcome back to The Liz Show. I'm your host, Elizabeth Lewis. By all means, call me Liz. And today we're talking about how to lead or work with those selfish coworkers or bosses. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but I have many clients who have, and I have myself. Now, did you know that low conscientiousness is linked to lower success rates in careers? Of course, there is always the exception to the rule. Many financially successful people have leveraged their selfishness, self-ambition, and lack of concern for the well-being of others to get ahead. I think the news reports this quite a bit over the years. In fact, they may make corrupt deals and unethical decisions that solely benefit themselves so they can gain that financial success. This raises the question then of what defines success? And that's something I think is very personal, what defines success. You really need to take some time and answer that for yourself. Now, in my opinion, a successful person is defined more by their character than their bank account. If I'm being really honest, it's what Joshua 1.7 says, only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do everything in accordance with the entire law, which Moses's my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it the right or to the left so that you may prosper and be successful wherever you go. So in short, for me, living successful is living for God. It's having the fruit of the spirit. It's having the wisdom that James speaks of and it's operating in the mind of Christ. And I think it's a lifelong pursuit too, but I think that we can arrive to certain layers of that. Now let's be honest, it's incredibly difficult to work with individuals who are selfish especially if you're self-aware and selfless. It's hard to work with people who only care about self-glorification and self-ambition. It's annoying, right? These people idolize themselves more than God. And if you're a Christian, this is a wake up call for you. Many times their lackadaisical approach to life can hinder their growth. And it's not just theirs, you know, it can impact other people's growth, unfortunately. The other day I had a client who was telling me about how there's a person in the company they work for, it's a C-suite individual, and this individual doesn't keep their word and it creates all of this chaos and just unnecessary trouble and dilemmas, all because this individual speaks a really big game is what my client was telling me and they they don't follow through unless it benefits them. They're dropping lots of balls and they don't care how it impacts other people. In fact, they're even troublemakers, you could say. They're stirring up all sorts of drama and gossip in the office. And of course, such people are exhausting to work with and their toxicity makes the workplace culture even more negative and toxic, right? Maybe you've worked with someone like this. But it's even more infuriating to me when it's somebody in leadership, right? Somebody in the C-suite lounge is just being a nuisance or to use biblical language, a fool. And today we're going to talk about how to work with such individuals because unfortunately, as the world goes to hell in a handbasket, it's a very real reality that we're going to face. First, let's clarify the characteristics of low conscientiousness. 
A person with low conscientiousness can exhibit traits of narcissism, psychopath, or sociopath tendencies, or they could actually fully be it. Let's just be real for a second. Such an individual is primarily motivated by their own desires and what is best for them. I should add, you can have low conscientiousness and not be a psychopath, a sociopath, or really have high levels of narcissism. There's always the exception to the rule. However, when I see someone with like a one or two on a psychometric test with conscientiousness being at that level, immediately I go, oof, you're super, 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 super selfish. And then you have to look at other traits to really kind of see where they are, but nonetheless. They take a very casual approach to their commitments and obligations to others and lack the dedication necessary for many undertakings. Now, here's the frustrating part here, or at least one of them. When someone has low conscientiousness, their word is gonna be very fickle to other people, meaning if they say they're gonna come and fix your dishwasher, they most likely will not be on time and will be like hours late or don't show up. Or they may say they'll get a project done, but it's just excuse after excuse. However, this is where their conscientiousness really shifts. If it's something that benefits them directly, oh, they'll do it, right? If they want a paper done or they want you to come and fix their dishwasher, they expect you to be on time, right? So we're talking about a big hypocrite. Foolishness is really what we're talking about too. We may describe individuals with low conscientiousness as self-centered, nonchalant, casual, or conceited. Again, I'm sure you've ran into those individuals. Now, maybe you're asking, why does low conscientiousness limit success? Well, at a high level, it's because such individual doesn't have a strong sense of obligation or desire to keep his or her commitments, right? That's huge, right? They lack integrity. When comparing individuals with low conscientiousness to those with high conscientiousness, the latter are more selfless and willing to sacrifice their needs for others. So if you think about this with the mission of a company or responsibilities, people who have high conscientiousness are more willing to take on more responsibility that's outside of their job description to get the organization moving forward, right? They're gonna be more selfless, more willing to work with other people, more moralistic, more willing to do quote unquote the right thing. Therefore, the individual who lacks conscientiousness or is low in it is gonna be hard to trust because again, they lack integrity. Nine out of 10 times this individual will prioritize his or her desires before others. In short, such an individual is not dependable and this is gonna prevent the organization from meeting the demands of his or her personal and professional responsibilities, right? So you're slowing everything down. I think we have a clear understanding of what this type of person is and why it's going to limit their own success and the success over the organization. However, if you're a Christian, you're called to treat them differently than the world's gonna tell you to treat them. And that's what I really wanna focus on. So again, now that we know what low conscientiousness looks like and why it impacts one's success, Let's get to the heart of this, which is like, what are you supposed to do as a Christian? How am I supposed to interact with them? Well, I've got a list of five things, actually six things, six things I want you to do if you have someone like this in your company or as a colleague. The very first thing you have to do is you have to love them. John 15, 12 to 13 says, this is my commandment, love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. This is my commandment, love each other. Did you hear him? Remember, you're powerless to obey Jesus's commandment to love unless he lives within you. 
It's his strength that's going to get you to do this, not yours. And I cannot tell you how many times I see Christians using their own strength. Stop it. Just stop it. Your strength is pathetic compared to his. <laughs> Hope you find that slightly humorous, but it is true. The other thing is remember Jesus laid down his life for you. And I think we could say you didn't deserve it. So if you have thoughts like, oh, that coworker is creating the drama and doesn't deserve me to treat them well, I just want to get revenge or, you know, however it sounds, if it's still like, I want to get even or I want to hurt them or I want to see them hurt, then understand you are not operating with the mind of Christ. You're operating with the mind of the world. Now you have the truth, choose to do something about it. And remember, we're called to love each other sacrificially as Jesus loved us. And he loves us so much that he gave his own life. So I think you could probably give up some of your selfish desires. And again, wanting to hurt that person or them to pay is a selfish desire. Now, I'm not saying be a pushover. I'm not saying take all the BS and just keep taking it, even though there is a verse in Corinthians where Paul tells us that we're like the scum of the earth and trash collectors of the world and we're going to get all this crap to us. But what the Bible does tell us is that we're called to be peacemakers, number one. And within that, which I won't get in too much into it today, but within that, believers are really called to overlook conflict more times than not. There's always the exception to the rule. And we're going to talk more about where to be more proactive and I guess to use a worldly word forceful at times. But at the end of the day, God really wants you to overlook it. Now, the key here is to show sacrificial love, which means to intentionally decide to give compassion, righteousness, responsibility, and sacrificially seek the well-being of another. So let's pause right there. Think about it. When someone's really, really um, low in conscientiousness, from my experience, I mean, if they're a psychopath or a sociopath, we're completely talking about a different type of person. But if they're just selfish, if they're narcissistic, if they're self-centered, they're insecure. They don't know God's love, right? And nine out of 10 times, of course, there's always the exception. They're so, so, so stressed out. So consider helping them. Consider trying to take something off their plate. Consider befriending them. Here's the thing, loving a person doesn't require you to like them, so don't mix up the two. Love is not dependent on your feelings. Love isn't a feeling, especially for the Christian, which is why Jesus tells us in Matthew 5, verse 44, love your enemies. And that actually brings us to that verse, right? So I'm going to read Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 to 48. It says, You have heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If you are sued in court, your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it for two miles. Give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. You have heard that the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that, but you are to be perfect even as your father in heaven is perfect. By the way, that word, you are to be perfect, is really talking about you are to be mature where you are in your walk with Christ. Important to note, but I want to bring your attention to this. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? This is actually in my notes, but I want to get to it now. 
You have to start thinking like Christ. How are your actions, your words, your behaviors different than that of an atheist? Or are they the same? Think about that. That will change how you interact, I hope. Here's the thing, when people hurt us, it's carnal, it's worldly of us to want to hurt them back. But two wrongs don't make a right in the believer's world. In fact, Jesus tells us to do good to, do, to those who wrong us. Instead of keeping score, we are to do what? Love and forgive. And remember, this is a supernatural thing, not a natural thing. But God loves you. And he's forgiven you. And remember, not forgiving someone can really hinder your walk with Christ and jeopardize your eternal life. Just gonna leave that there. The key focus on earth is not to advance or self-promote ourselves, believe it or not. I know that might really suck if you've got high self-ambition. We are to hold loosely to our quote-unquote personal rights and actually prefer to forego those rights for the sake of bearing witness to the gospel and to the kingdom. So when you're trying to self-promote, remember that you're not in alignment with God. God doesn't want you to self-promote. He doesn't want self-glorification or self-ambition. Hard thing to swallow, but it's true. And when you can surrender that, whew, the amount of freedom you get is amazing. Let me tell you, he wants you to advance the kingdom. He wants you to be a witness to the gospel, which means you're going to have to promote him, not yourself. And remember, the flesh and God are, are kind of enemies at the end of the day. So think about how you treat that person at work who is selfish or how you did. Imagine if you showed them more godly character. And what if in time you were able to share your testimony to how God saved you? Imagine if you chose to be um, long-suffering and patient and loving and joyful. Imagine that all of that might end up in you being able, with God's help obviously, to save their soul and expand the body of Christ. It's a long-term game here, but isn't that more important than indulging in selfish crap like James talks about? I mean, you quarreling because their being selfish makes you no different, right? The bottom line is Jesus wants us to have an unselfish attitude that willingly follows the way of Christ instead of personal rights. It's about trusting God who will one day set all things right. By the way, being selfish back to them makes you just as guilty and a hypocrite. So just keep that in perspective. The second thing is to be generous. And we're going to really examine Romans 12, verses 17 to 21. Never pay back evil with more evil. So what? When that selfish person has been evil to you, you do what? Oh, that's right. You don't pay them back with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scripture says, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will keep burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. And just like that, we wrap up the podcast. Just kidding, I got a little bit more notes. But that verse really talks about what you're supposed to do when you find yourself with a selfish person. Don't repay evil with evil. Instead, be generous. Again, when you repay evil with evil, you are participating in the evil economy and are no better than that person who hurt you. So quit your complaining. In fact, 1 Peter 3, 9 says, not to repay evil with evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That's what God's called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. We are blessed to be a blessing. We are not blessed to be evil. 
Understood? That blessing you give them, God might actually be able to use to gain their soul. Can you talk about winning? Because that would be winning, right? Doing that would be incredible. And God is calling us to be honorable or noble. Remember, Paul is telling us that the behavior of believers must be such that no one can rightfully make a claim of wrongdoing. We are to do the opposite of what was committed against us as this makes us distinguishable from the original offenders. So before you act, consider this question. What action would make my character different than that of an atheist? Proverbs 25 Verses 21 to 22 says, If your enemies are hungry, give them food to eat. If they are thirsty, give them water to drink. You will heap burning coals of shame on their heads and the Lord will reward you. Believe it or not, we are called to care for our enemies' needs. Show them mercy, just as the Father has shown you and myself mercy. Leverage the golden rule too, right? When you leverage the golden rule, you get what? Golden results. Matthew 7 verse 12 says, Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. Remember that the golden rule is the foundation of goodness and mercy. It's the kind of love that God shows us every single day. Number three, be selfless. Not selfish, selfless. In case you didn't hear me. It's easy to want to repay evil with evil, but as Christians, we are called to forgive and love. God forgave you, so you forgive others. God blesses you, so you bless others. We really see this instruction in the Boatudes with Matthew um, chapter 5, verses 38 to 44, right? Jesus is telling you to overlook the sin, to ignore it. In fact, we're called to do this more than the average human can naturally tolerate or do in their own strength, which is why we do this supernaturally. You're called to always maintain your righteousness, your integrity, your self-respect, and your self-control. If that selfish person asks you to do something, do more than what they expect. Go the extra mile for them. And Philippians 2, 4 says, don't look out only for your own interests, but take interest in others too. So this verse is telling us to put others first. Be unselfish. Because as believers, we are to have Jesus's interests, not our own. Think about it this way. Compared to knowing Christ, all things are pretty shallow. So look beyond yourself to the needs of other people. In fact, Romans 15.1 says we are not just to please ourselves. Mic drop. We are to care about the selfish person's interest. Have boundaries so they don't manipulate or take advantage of you, but also invest in them. Care for them. Now, there's always a line, and we don't have the energy and the bandwidth to do this with everyone. I understand that. So always pray to God asking for discernment. Talk to your elders. Talk to those wise in the word. But you can put the interest of whomever you're interacting with above your own. Again, there's a line. So sometimes as a business owner, you may need to terminate that individual if you've given them chances and you've talked with them. But I encourage you again to first exhaust this entire list. Number four is live in faith as Romans 117 instructs. Stop acting like the one human, this one person, can ruin your entire career and future. Like get over the drama. And remember, God has the final say. Live in faith, trusting that God has you. It's God who supplies your needs, not humans. Stop mixing it up, right? And it's so easy to have the faith that this person is going to hinder my career growth and ruin me and take away all my desires and goals. But realize when you do that, you're falling into fear of man. And what you're really saying is this person is huge compared to God. Come on, don't be a fool. God knows what's happening. He's with you in that storm. He's with you in that trial. He wants you to learn something. Perhaps it's selflessness. 
Perhaps it's patience. Perhaps it's long-suffering. Perhaps it's gentleness. I don't know. But it's most likely something in the fruit of the Spirit because he wants to make your character more like God's, more like Jesus's, right? And he will use those annoying people to get you strong. So ask God, what do you want me to learn from this? And remember that every problem, every storm, is an opportunity with a promise and a provision attached to it. Let him work. Stop being annoying. Let him work. And number five, trust God and practice acceptance. First off, as a child of God, you win. Stop acting like you lose. You never lose because eternity in heaven is yours. So stop acting like you lose. Secondly, don't get caught up in believing that this person can hinder your success or future. I know I just said that, but I want to say it again because it's a lie from the devil and it means you're not trusting God. Likewise, remember it's God who supplies your needs, not humans. People forget this. People or Christians really forget that People don't supply Christians needs. God supplies our needs. It's God who's going to use people to bless us, right? He uses people, but you know, um, he made manna fall out of thin air, right? At the end of the day. So remember that God has the final say. God will supply your needs according to his riches in Christ's glory, okay? Not, not people. And the last thing, number six is pray for them. Pray for their hearts. Pray for their eyes of understanding to be enlightened, as Paul tells us in Ephesians. Pray for their heart to get to know God. Pray for God to change their heart. Pray for God's will to be done in their lives. Pray for you. Pray for strength and growth. Allow God to use this to um, upgrade you, if you will, right? God will use all things to make his purpose prevail. Trust him. This could be an opportunity that increases your trust and faith in him. You would want that in my world, right? Well, I hope you've got some takeaways from today's episode. I know they sounded a little different than what the world would probably tell you to do. But remember, God's got you. He's got the final say. Learn how to unconditionally and selflessly love. And perhaps in time, you might even be rescuing that person and bringing them into the kingdom of God. If you liked today's episode, please share it to one person. Please write me a review on Apple. That would mean everything to me. And in the meantime, have a great day. And let's quickly close in prayer. Father God, thank you so much for this day. I just ask that you help us to be more selfless and Christ-minded in all that we do. If somebody um, wrongs us or hurts us or is just hindering our career growth, we just ask that you realign our mind to the truth. And that you teach us how to interact with that person in a way that would glorify you, Father God. That when they see us, they actually see your light shining through us. Father, allow your will to be done in everything that we do and continue to grow and renew and change our hearts and minds in every single area so we can be more like Christ in all things. In Jesus' name, amen.